Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing and I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys talking on a Sunday night. Uh, my guest today, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Uh, we caught up, uh, you know, talked a little bit about kind of where things are with OTAs, uh, contract extensions. We, we, we focus a lot about Jonathan Allen. We think he's likely to get one, in line to get one. Anybody else in play, the quarterback situation? Uh, who is the number two quarterback? And are they potentially, would they only possibly even keep um, just a two? I, I don't think so. But uh, we got into some of that. And we also had some fun conversations about training camp in Richmond, what, what that kind of might mean now and going forward as well as the idea of media in the locker room. It's obviously been a topic of conversation. We didn't get into so much of the Naomi Osaka part of it, but just I know I see people asking all the time, why do we need to be in the locker room as a reporter? So Michael and I addressed it, discussed it. What do we think about that topic? And a bunch of other, uh, a bunch of other items as well here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, if you can want to subscribe, I encourage you to do so so you don't miss any episodes. You can do that on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. And of course, always appreciate when everybody uh, subscribes to The Athletic. Uh, got a new mailbag that'll be up on uh, Monday morning. Some topics include Chase Young missing camp. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick, is the presence of Ryan Fitzpatrick while better at get, makes Washington a better quarterback than last year. Is it hurting the situation in the long haul? Uh, if he's good but not great, that 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 type of thing. Uh, got an, I addressed the Morgan Moses compensation aspect. If if Washington uh, did indeed botch that, Brandon Scherf and a bunch of other topics. So check that out, uh, as well as everything I wrote last week about training camp and more to come. This week, as well as mini camp starts, we have three days mandatory mini camp. So yes, we believe Chase Young will be there. Just for for those who are interested in how this is going to kind of work, so the the mini camp themselves are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, eight thirty in the morning. At least that's what it was for mini camp. I assume it's the same. We get there at eight thirty, goes for about two hours. Uh, then we do the 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 the, the zooms. Um, I don't know which players will be talking this week, but you know, presumably we haven't we, we've yet to speak with uh, Charles Leno. Obviously, if Chase Young, we haven't talked to him. Haven't talked to Montez Sweat. Haven't talked to Kendall Fuller. So I would imagine those players would be there. We haven't talked to um, Jamin Davis or Sam Cosme for that matter. Although we did talk to them at the rookie mini camp, so that may be it uh, 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 enough. Uh, but in addition to that. On, on Monday, we're getting the assistant coaches, the the two offensive, the offensive and the defensive coordinator spoke last week. Uh, we should also be getting special teams coordinator Nate Kate, Nate Catter this week. And of course, what's interesting there, I get it. Special teams are not always the most interesting of topics, but we'll see if we can glean any insight into players that are standing out. Because when we talk about the end of the roster, that's the players who who um, who end up making the team. I know last year Isaiah Wright was somebody that Katzer mentioned, you know, really early on, maybe around this time of year and kind of stood out as somebody to keep an eye on. And then obviously he ends up making uh, the, the, the team. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily, as, as we, as we stand here right now, have like a definitive plan. Like I don't go out there and think to myself, I want to watch this player uh, for sure. Cause you end up getting caught in up like kind of what's happening in front of you. Um, you know, I may want to watch somebody, but the defense tends to be on the far side of, of the field. So you can't always 
watch them, you know, spend a lot of time looking at like Samus Reyes because the tight ends tend to be uh, right in front of us. But, but I am going to take a longer look, I, I hope, this week at the wide receivers. I'm, I've talked about it a bunch. I wrote about them a little bit in the um, in the mailbag, specifically about Gandy Golden and Kelvin Harmon. By the way, I also wrote about Julio Jones, who, if you didn't hear the news, he, today he was traded to the Tennessee Titans. So that's out. But I wrote about sort of the concept of, of that kind of off the lines of what I spoke with Randy Mueller about uh, here on this podcast the other day. Um, but the receiver thing is so interesting because one question that somebody asked me was, you know, who do I think is going to be number three? And man, it is so, I don't like not being able to answer a question. I really don't know. And I think a lot's going to come down to where do they use Curtis Samuel? Um, I, I would say this, that my, look, obviously we all pegged Curtis Samuel as a target for Washington back in free agency for all the obvious reasons. He's good, he's fast, and he's the, the Carolina ties. They are obviously know him, right? So all that makes perfect sense. But when they made the move, the sense I had was that they were aware, meaning the coaching staff, that um, that while they had him for a couple of years and obviously know what he's about, and they used him primarily on the outside, that in the in the year in between with uh, Matt Rule as the, as the Carolina coach, Samuel's numbers, receptions and yards went up, even though his snap total went down almost 300 snaps. Um, they were using him 60% of the time in the slot. The other third outside, the the, 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 the it was kind of flipped almost. It wasn't as high as 60%, but he was mostly on the outside, or maybe it was. Uh, it was it was the majority on the outside um, under the Ron Rivera, Scott Turner time, Turner was not the offensive coordinator. Um, but so the sense I got was that they may be viewing him, maybe viewing that and taking some notes. And I'm sure they did, but I don't know if he's going to be as much on the outside as maybe I thought initially, uh, sorry, as much in the slot as I thought initially. And then of course, you know, they went out and signed Adam Humphreys. They also draft Dax Milne. So, you know, look, they have outside receivers too. Cam Sims, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Kelvin Harmon. It's not like they don't have options out there. But if you say, who's the third receiver? Oh, sorry, they had to draft De'Ami Brown. So if you're saying, who's the third receiver? A lot of it's going to come down to how much is Curtis Samuel playing the slot versus on the outside? Um, you know, I could see Cam Sims having more touchdowns than Adam Humphreys, but Adam Humphreys having the third most receptions among receivers. But it wouldn't stun me if De'Ami Brown steps up. I really am impressed by... By him, from what I've seen. So, all that said, I really do kind of want to watch the receivers this week. Hopefully, we have a better feel. Um, you know, as they're getting now into mini camp, this is the last, the last things they'll be doing before training camp at the end of July. So, we'll see how much they dial it up, and and hopefully, you know, the offense tends to be right in front of us. It's obviously kind of fun to watch uh, the, the the pitch and catch going on there. So, hopefully, I'll get a better sense for the receivers. But look, I'm also curious to see, you know, on the offensive line, what is going to happen at right tackle. Um, is Sadiq Charles back out there? Where is he playing? Uh, you know, for that matter, Curtis Samuel was out last week with a, at least from when we were there with a with a groin issue. Um, so we'll be curious to see how all that shakes out for sure. Um, so there you go. By the way, if you're a Wizards person, I, I, I've been meaning to have a Wizards guest on to sort of put a cap out of the season. Didn't happen today, so we'll get to that. But of course, I, I talk plenty about the Wizards on Fred Katz's Wizards After Dark podcast. So you can check that out. But for now, let's get to this conversation here. A fun one. It's always a fun one talking with Michael Phillips. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael PRTD. Go read him at the Richmond Times Dispatch. But for now, listen to him here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right. Um, 
yeah. So as I said uh, in the intro, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch is here. He uh, had some news today about the fact that the Washington football team will, in fact, be back in Richmond for at least a few days of training camp. I guess the opening week, and then they'll come back to Ashburn and finish things up. So it gives Michael a chance to, uh, you know, once again be the host to everybody down in Richmond. Do you, um, do you, ha, do you and like Wes McElroy, do you guys have like a, a like a committee to discuss like who's having people over? What what, what where are the important places to, to 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 promote to go for dinner? Like how do you guys like promote like the how do you guys deal with the welcoming committee aspect of this whole thing? And we, we don't give you the best stuff. We only give you the second best stuff. We keep the best stuff for ourselves. A lot of people don't know that. You come back like, oh, Richmond's the best. I love everywhere we went. Like, we're secretly at the even better places. You know, so we, we do have the committee meeting, and it's to make sure that we only give out that second-tier stuff so we, we can keep the good stuff for ourselves. <laughs> uh, that is yeah i mean that is the thing right it's like you know dc any city right it's the it's the stuff on the webs on the on the triple a website or the obvious website and then there's the other stuff that that, yeah. the lo- that the locals know about thank you for acknowledging though it is a richmond sports cabal we, we run it very tightly oh yeah ab- absolutely ab- absolutely i try to stay on the good side of the people in charge of uh things including like you know where i might go eat um so all important so yeah so richmond i mean you know, they were going to go last year. I mean, obviously, you know, there was one, right? Uh, you're, you're the expert on all things training camp. You'll tell me where I get wrong. They had, there was one year left, then this pandemic thing happened. Um, so, obviously, last year, everybody stayed in in in, uh, in Ashburn. And there's this been whole thing about, like, well, who's, you know, who's paying for what? You know, Richmond has typically been giving the organization money. But, you know, it sounds like Ron Rivera last year was kind of maybe open to, like, eh, maybe we shouldn't do that. And just out of goodwill to sort of show up but then like i said things happen so now they're going back for like a week what why do you think ultimately it landed on this is this just sort of the make good on sort of the last year to do something and we'll have to figure out a long-term plan but this is just sort of the interim thing just to be nice or why do you think that sort of went broke down like this way yeah, I think it's because Ron has common sense, which I appreciate. That's one of the nice things about dealing with him. I mean, you, you know, he sits down, you know, well, what's the deal with Richmond? Well, we go to Richmond for training camp. Does everybody like that? No, nobody likes that. Why not? Well, they pay us half a million dollars to come. People in Richmond don't like cutting the check. Well, why don't we just go for free? How did it take seven years to think of that, Ben? You know, it's and everybody likes money. I get that. Money's great. But the amount of goodwill you buy for the half a mil, totally worth it uh yeah they're only coming for the week they'll kick the tires on it ron's never done a camp here a uh, good opportunity for him to see the sites see the facilities and uh you know look into doing this down the line maybe um are there issues and i think i don't remember if we talked about this offline or had a dream about this or i don't know what but <laughs> but but in the pandemic world obviously they've had training camp there but in the pandemic world things are a little bit different in terms of spacing and i may, you know i don't know we'll see what restrictions are in six weeks when this happens, but is there anything that has to happen at the training facility to deal with the COVID restrictions or is it just sort of business as usual and, and, and so on? As the NFL rules are written right now, they won't be able to shower in at the locker rooms there, which means after practice, instead of showering and then getting on the bus, they'll get on the bus and then go shower in their hotel rooms. That's pretty much it. And I, I don't think that's a, a big thing, even at that, you know, it's, yeah, I'm sure they'd prefer to shower in that moment, but, but you're talking about 10 minutes tops there, there is right down the street from the hotel. So I don't think it's a massive swing either way. Uh, that that's it though. It's going to be full, full go for fans, uh, for the fans. The one thing you'll notice is, uh, it's 
you know, it, it feels unlikely that you'll be able to take selfies with the guys, uh, all that, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the players used to kind of wade into the crowd and, and mill around. I, I think that will probably be frowned upon, at least in the short term here. Uh, but, but full attendance, uh, pack the hills. And look, I, I think there's going to be some pretty good demand here. I know the attendance had been hit and miss towards the end. I think folks are excited about getting out and doing stuff. Right, I would think so. I mean, like the, the things that you may have looked, you know, looked down upon before as like, eh, been there, done that, not that exciting. I know for me, I'm like, hey, uh, wait, I can get back out and do something and be around people. And this is outdoors to boot. And, you know, obviously Richmond doesn't have a professional sports team. And for whatever this is, um, you know, it, it's something, right? And there is some more positive momentum. Obviously, they promote, you know, it was the Jay Gruden era, the Bruce Allen era. This is a different time, right? People haven't seen Chase Young yet. Um, well, and yeah, presumably he'll be there. That's a Aha. joke. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I it seems like that would be a thing. Um, do you have any indication? I guess at this point, beyond though this season, right? I mean, I personally like the idea of going away for training camp. I like the idea of teams being separated from their day to day life and focusing as best they can on just the task at hand, bonding with each other, and so on. So I personally like it. That whether Richmond makes sense long term has always been, you know, like you said kind of the story and you know we can discuss you know what Carlisle or Frostburg or whatever but uh what would you have any sense as to what this means beyond this year yeah you know I I think Ron's taking it for the test drive we talk so much about kind of Ron being the guy and the decision maker around here and he is and and you know I I think he will see how he feels about it I wouldn't rule out them coming for two weeks next year I wouldn't rule out him deciding I don't like it and not coming back next year. I, I think it's all about how Ron feels about it, but I agree with your general sentiment. I, I think it makes it special. It gives it, gives it a little juice. Yeah. I, I just always thought it makes just in a sense in a very practical, um, practical way. You know, you, you need to bond, especially with that, that sport, you really, I mean, you know, all these sports, but you really need to bond with your teammates. I thought like with the wizards, for example, this is a different deal, but because of the COVID situation all year, like there was no practicing. They were just every other day they were playing a game on the road, or whatever. So basically they were together the whole time. And I get the sense I got from that team was they really bonded over the tightness because of this odd circumstance. And I think training camp is a, is sort of a similar way, but minus the, you know, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, it's only five days, so I don't know how, how big of a deal it'll be, but uh, right. I, I think also it's part of the NFL's really emphasizing return to normal, bringing everybody back together back out into crowds and uh, you know the nfl wants everybody doing the big road show doing the big splash and uh, that that saturday in richmond's going to be a monster day monster attendance that, that's what the nfl wants they want to communicate you know we're we're leading society back to normal here um all right so we're going to talk as i said in the intro we're going to get to the sort of our lingering questions about this team going into uh, the mandatory mini camp this week but i do want to get into one other topic that is you know it's not specific to washington but it is important to what what michael and i do and that's um you know locker rooms uh having access to players in some capacity um in a direct one-on-one kind of a way which we didn't obviously this past year because of the pandemic and at this moment in time that's still the case everything is being done over zooms um you know there's some some advantages to the zoom world but by and large it's not how any of us would want to, to operate and obviously this is this has gotten a lot more attention recently because of the, the Naomi Osaka situation is not about locker rooms it's just about press conferences but there's some connection to all that but there's this question about like will we be back in, in the locker rooms and the Washington Post had a story out today about the idea that 
for the remainder of this offseason program and I guess into training camp, it doesn't look like that's going that there will be that kind of access, which is not surprising. We all kind of been bracing for that or kind of knew that was happening. Certainly here locally, we, we, we did. Um, but the question would be what happens in the season there to they're inferring based on the fact that this is where things stand now that that doesn't bode well for the season. I don't necessarily know that that's true. That, that may be extrapolating a bit much, but nonetheless, we're not there yet. But I guess on some level, and, and I, I will say this, like Michael is an actual, like, I mean, he literally works for a newspaper, but he's a, he's a real, you know, a journalist, a guy who's gone through the, you know, all, all the way through the ranks that one does to get to the position that he has now um, as the, uh, the, the head honcho for the Richmond Times dispatch, where I came in with this convoluted way and didn't get reared in the, uh, in, 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 the, in the pedigree and the mindset and like all the things that journalists do. So I have thoughts, but I am curious what, 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 what Michael thinks when people ask sort of the question, well, why do you guys need that type of access? What, what, yeah, what? And, 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 you know, I, I think that, you know, the players are inconvenienced by routine dealings with the media that, that you know, if, if you're talking about what is the easiest thing for them and, and in their life and in what they do, the, the easiest thing for the players, of course, is to not have to worry about it, not deal with it, not, not do that, you know, just do social media posts, just do whatever it might be. So I, I'm, I'm fully sympathetic to that. But then you zoom out to the big picture for, from the NFL's perspective, from the organizational perspective, you know, what, what drives interest in the product? And the answer is people talking about the product, podcasts and TV and radio and all that. And, and you know, how does that interest get generated? I think it's through you know, media attention through people talking about what's going on and, and, and how the players are doing and, and things like that. So I, I think there's the business interests are aligned here. The NFL is trying to become a year round sports juggernaut. Uh, you know, they're inventing all these new things that, that didn't exist 10 years ago to, to steal more and more of the sporting calendar. Well, that that's all moot if, you know, ESPN showing NBA and NHL and, and interviews all day. Uh, you know, that that's not good for the NFL to not have that product out there. And, and so, you know, I certainly understand the player's perspective. It is inconvenient uh, for them. Um, and I, I guess, you know, the thing I always say is, and I do mean this, I don't want to talk to anybody that doesn't want to talk to me. What the, the request here is for the opportunity to talk to players, the opportunity to be in the same room as them and to talk to them about the sport, you know, the, the players that, that would like to do that. And so that that's the big thing is with the Zoom world where we couldn't get, you know, within a mile of anybody. Well, hey, you know, that that's not easy to reach out and make that contact and, and get a feel for what's going on. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be, in my mind, literally the locker room where the interviews take place. But there needs to be the opportunity on the practice fields, in, in the tunnels at the stadium, in the loading zones, wherever the opportunity to talk to players and find out what's going on with the team uh, so that the reporting can be more accurate, more nuanced, more interesting. Yeah. And like from like a basic like structure, like why that space? So, okay. So let's just imagine they've been practicing for however long they've been practicing. It's hot. They're sweaty. Maybe they just got chewed out by their coach. Maybe they, whatever, who knows what it, maybe they're dealing with a bit of a, of, of, of an ankle tweak, who knows? So they're walking off the field now. They're okay. And then they're, they're saying, Hey, they're being told, Hey, by the way, the media is going to want to talk to you. Is that the exact moment that these guys are going to want to do that? I'm going to guess. No, they want to get indoors like the rest of us would, if we were all hot and sweaty and gross, or maybe they need to go to the training room, nothing necessarily urgent, but just like, Hey, get something looked at or whatever it is. Right. So 
then on the flip side, once they're in the training room, they've done whatever they do. They had their meetings. They've taken a shower. They've gotten dressed. What's on your mind when you're packing up to leave for work? Is it to do more work <laughs> or is it to, I don't know, go out, go out to, uh, you know, I was about to say Fuddruckers. Does Fuddruckers even exist anymore? Fuddruckers, man. What a pull. All right. You're going over to Chi-Chi's to have some chips and salsa. <laughs> You can tell. Wow. I, I, I even though I watch Top Chef because and I'm in a pool with Matt Paris, I could I, my, my food tastes are incredibly pedestrian. Um, <laughs> but in any event, like you know, they want to go do whatever they do. Go hang, go hang out with their wife, their kid. Go, go get whatever. Go eat. Go what, go play Xbox. Whatever the thing is. So like, I, I I look at it as it's it's a place where one they're all centrally located. Oh, by the way, there's also like multiple ways to get out of the the, the room. And like Michael said, it's the opportunity. To talk to them. So most guys I find are at least open or willing to talk. There's very few that just say flat out, don't bother me, historically at least. And it's not like they don't want to. It's just, it's just like, okay, they're in this space. We're in this space. Hey, I see you there. Do you have a moment to to talk? If we're outside, like I said, then they're, we're getting them when they're ready to get out. Their mind is already outside the door, outside the building, I think to some degree. It's not nearly as casual. I think that's the other net notion when you're talking to them at their locker and they're dealing with they're taking their tape off or they're getting, you know, they're, they're taking off their pads or maybe you know, putting on their shoes and socks, whatever it is, it, it feels more casual. And I think that leads to some better conversations when it's more, when it's more, you're outside standing, it feels more stilted. And I feel that doesn't vote. I not saying it's not impossible. I just think that, that, that makes it a little more less interesting at times. Yeah. And, and you know, it, that's, I think you raise a great point when you say guys, are comfortable doing it for the most part. A few guys are not comfortable doing it. And I know some people feel differently than me on this, but, but this takes back to the Naomi Osaka thing. It, you know, she's going through something. And my thought as a journalist, if she comes to me and says, hey, I'm going through something, can we, can we not talk for, for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever? Yes, of course. We, you know, we are fully respecting that these people are, are human beings as well uh, and, and what they do. So the problem with going to just the Zooms or just the, the, the press conference access is it, it denies the opportunity for the other guys who maybe would not seek it out, um, but would be available in that casual setting for a couple of minutes. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds here. John Bostick's a guy on the team who's really good to, have, to chat with for a couple of minutes. You know, hey, what's the strategy this week? What are you guys trying to do? What happened on that play last week? You know, what, what's, what's the communication like over there? Those things that you can learn about the game and then pass on, um, you know, the TV guys feel this way too. Um, you know, not able to do their production meetings. It's not the same. Uh, I think Al Michaels mentioned this late in the year. He said they were talking to Drew Brees and he was like, Hey, you know, I miss doing this in person with you guys. And, and the reason is not that Drew Brees enjoys doing media. Look, they would all rather not be doing media if given the opportunity, we've established that. But Drew's a savvy guy. What he understands is in person with Alan Chris or with the beat writers or whoever, he can be a little more casual. He can read the room. He could say, hey, you know, guys, look, you know, here's what we're here's what's going wrong, or here's what this guy did. Don't put that out there. Don't put that on blast, but just, you know, let that inform you when that guy gets cut next week and everybody's surprised by it. File this away in the back of your head. Here's some plays to go back and watch. Here's some things to go back and look at. Or you know, here's a little tidbit. Uh, here's something we're going to do that we saw. Uh, we saw at training camp last year during the open practices. Logan Thomas throw a pass. Nobody ran out to write a big story like, "Hey, Logan Thomas, you know, he, he's going to throw a pass out of this formation." You file it away, and then when it happens, your reporting is is more nuanced 
you know, it'll, it'll board better. So, so to me, it's not the, the forcing of guys to talk to the media. It's the opportunity to create a space for conversation, which I, I do think that, that the, the savvy players, the veteran players realize it's of immense benefit to everybody and immense benefit to the game and the sport uh, as well. And also like, look, the, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is a person and you're talking to another person and not every conversation is some straight out, Hey, I'm writing about a story. Some of it is like, we're just standing around having human interaction. And sometimes that is just simply walking up to a guy and saying, you know, Hey, uh, you know, you know, somebody, maybe they played for the university of Florida and Florida played the other day and beat Alabama. And you talk about that for a minute or college football or college basketball or anything. Right. I had a, I, I, I had, I had a conversation, very, very casual one, um, once with a uh, player around a holiday time, just in very general terms. And then the next time he saw me, he came up and started asking me questions about some really interesting, thoughtful topics that were definitely outside the norm of, um, you know, X's and O's for football that never would have happened if he didn't have the casual conversation part of it. And then from that, obviously, once you have these conversations and they get to know you at least a little bit, now maybe the next time you do come to ask them a question, they're not they're not wondering, is this person coming to me asking me this football question because they're whatever, they have an agenda, they're trying to get dirt. No, this is now Ben or Michael, who I've talked to before about these other things. And by the way, I don't always know our name. I don't mean it like that, but like, <laughs> but just whatever. I recognize this person. We had a conversation before. And now if he's coming to me and saying, hey, uh, what do you, what's your take on this? He has a little better sense of who we are when we're asking these questions and, and not doesn't have to give us the, 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 the uh, sort of a stink eye like, hmm, I don't, I don't know about this person. And at all, and ultimately at the end of the day, what we're doing is to help inform the audience. And that's all this kind of works in concert together. Always does. Absolutely. Hey, you know, let's, let's transition. Let's talk about football. Cause as, as you know, that's, that's why we want the access. We can better talk about football. So let, let's have some uninformed football discussion. I like it. And you can tell Michael's been on the podcast enough that like, he's just telling me which way we're going to go, which I totally respect. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, that's the goal. I want the guest to feel comfortable enough to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Now what are we, let's, let's go to the next, uh, let's go to the next topic. Um, fired up. So yeah, so basically, look, uh, yeah, so we'll, 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 Michael and I are talking right now on Friday. I'll run this for for Sunday night or Monday, um, and uh, the, the three day mandatory minicamp starts Tuesday. Uh, you know, uh, uh, three days, so it's going to end on Thursday, and then they go off until training camp. And you know, good for them, good for us. Um, so I just thought I talked the other day about what happened at the second OTA, so we don't have to revisit that. But there's still questions to be asked. Not that these questions will necessarily be solved over the over these three days of the minicamp, but just in general so i said to each of us the assignment what's the what are the what are the lingering questions we have so i'll i'll i'll, I'll defer to the guest uh, i said it could be anything it could be lineup it could be rotation contracts what's what you know what's the uh you know what, what what's ron rivera's uh color shirt he's gonna wear uh, at practice whatever whatever you got what's the uh what, what's a lingering question that you still have going into uh, for this team uh, at this point I'm trying to get a feel for how many quarterbacks will play this season for the Washington football team. I think your early betting line favorite here is one Ryan Fitzpatrick goes wire to wire. Uh, you know, I, I, 
I don't think he'll do anything to outright lose the job. And I, I think he's been a pretty durable guy through his whole career. But but if they go past him for whatever reason, either for performance or injury, things get really fascinating after that really quickly. We know the staff likes Kyle Allen. We know the fan base loves Taylor Heineke. We know Allen's coming back from an injury. We know Heineke gets hurt every time he takes the field. You know, if it's anything other than 17 games of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, hold on to your seats, buddy. This one's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, right, I mean, the, the coaching staff's trying to push this competition narrative for the QB1, and, you know, I, nope. I good good luck if anybody wants to buy into that, barring, you know, the unforeseen. But the number two is an incredibly fascinating discussion as much as the backup quarterback for any team that's not involving a, a, an interest, a, a rookie that your people get excited about. Um, you know, it's two relative journeyman-type quarterbacks that are not, you know, that are kind of like, eh, I don't know, we don't know what they are, but they're both, have enough credentials to warrant that they would be the guy. And yet I don't really know. You wrote the other day that you, in your view, you wrote this for the Richmond times dispatch that Taylor, they should start Taylor Heineke in part, because we don't quite know what he is. You know, what Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick can always come in at some point, but what if Taylor Heineke is the guy? I think I, I think I have that right. So give him the yeah. chance to be the guy. Um, that said, I, I don't even know. I mean, I think your point is interesting and provocative. I, I would not necessarily say I would subscribe to that theory but regardless i appreciate the outside the box thinking which is why people uh, like uh, like you uh so but that said i don't even know if he's the second guy uh at this point heineke you know if i wanted to take your 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 advice and that's what makes that 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 spot so so easy i really don't know i i'd like to be more definitive i don't know who i think is the number two quarterback right now no it could be either of them and i you know, that, that wasn't, you know, just, just to throw grenades around. That's truly the way I'd do it. If I were the coach, I'd start with Heineke. Cause I think locking down a long-term quarterback is the most important thing you can do. Um, but I, I think there's a very legitimate chance. He's number three coming out of training camp. I think there's a chance they put him on the practice squad. I, you know, there's, there's a lot of available outcomes here. Yeah. I mean, I had the quarterback situation on my list as well. And, and part of what my wondering was, is there any world they don't keep three? And obviously we don't, a lot of that would have to do with one, how things perform and two, I guess, to some degree, the rest of the roster. I mean, typically you're not going to dump a quarterback, even if it's the third string, because you need to keep a seventh uh, linebacker, you know, but um, I, I would imagine they're keeping all three. That's why like they didn't, I, I believe they didn't draft one ultimately because they felt they had three and, and the, they didn't want to necessarily get rid of any of them. So I do imagine they all stay, but I think that's at least something to consider. Steven Montez is a whole other story, but we talked about him the other day yeah. on the podcast that he's, you know, being used at, at some other positions um, to be, uh, to, to be expected. Um, all right, I'll stay on sort of the, well, you, so yours wasn't necessarily about backups, but to some degree was I'll stay on the backup theme, you know, without chase young at these practices um, you know, we, we, we obviously were all trying to watch what everything we can out there. And, you know, you see the different lineup combinations. Oh, Sadiq Charles's left tackle, uh, you know, Jamin Davis is at middle linebacker, all these things. When you see who's starting on the defensive line <laughs> on the outside of Whoever's a tackle, it's been some rotation between Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, John Allen. And the first week, no Chase Young, no Montez Sweat. You had like Casey Tuhill and like one of the rookie uh, draft picks in there. And then last week when Montez Sweat came back, you know, whoever, anybody who was at the other end was not somebody. You like, I'm just imagining if, if this actually happened where Chase Young, as he did last year, missed the game, who is starting in that spot or who's even just taking the Ryan Kerrigan role. I, I I'm still imagining they're bringing somebody in 
And but I but I think that to me when I watch the the the, the lineups, I'm like, wow, that is a pretty still jarring spot. They've done a really good job of filling most holes. That one to me is still a question mark, though. They Ron created two holes this off season. You know, it's, I think we're all pro Ron here around here. So we 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 you know so everybody's oh you critique Ron too much. Nah, he's he's an NFL coach. Everything he does is up for debate. I think he does a good job overall. He created two holes this off season. And we we've talked at length about Ryan Kerrigan and the other one's Morgan Moses. You know he got rid of two depth pieces that made those units deep enough that you could go into the season feeling confident about them. And same at right tackle now. Oh, everybody loves Sam Cosby. Rookie offensive linemen don't play 17 games. They just don't. It's just not a thing that happens in the NFL. I really hope Cosby is the exception to that rule. I hope he dominates for 17 games, wins rookie of the year, right tackle. I think that would be really cool. But, but history tells us that is not a position where guys jump in and play 17 games. And so, you know, you got the Kerrigan spot coming, coming off the, the bench there on the end of the line. And then you got the, the Morgan Moses spot, which created, you know, Cornelius Lucas or, or Leno would have been your next guy up at that position. Cosme would have been the backup, not the starter. Um, two vacancies got created there. And I think you're right. I think they'll turn to veterans to plug those holes. So I, on the Moses one, I mean, it's hard to argue against that they didn't create a hole, even though they have a couple of options to consider. The Kerrigan one, though, I guess my basic pushback is he, he made, what, $11 million last year? There was no way he was going to make $11 million even if they wanted him to stay. He would have been making somewhat comparable to what he got in Philly. So let's just say it's $3 million for argument's sake. Do you really think if Ron Rivera called and says, hey, we want you back, but here's the deal you're going to do for $3 million. You think Ryan Kerrigan is going to his ego? What, I mean, he's not the most like egotistical athlete I've ever been around. But do you think his ego would allow him to stay in the place where he's the all-time sacks leader? He's been a starter for a decade, not last year, but a starter for a decade. And he's going to come in and take whatever, what is that, like 80% pay cut? I don't think that was ever happening, even if they yeah. wanted him to stay. Yeah. Bottom line, though, you got to find somebody. you got to find somebody there because I don't think you can count on 100% of snaps from sweat and young and, and it's key position. Um, absolutely. Um, all right. What's uh, what, what's another lingering question uh, on your mind? Yeah. Excited for this wide receiver battle that we'll see at training camp. I want to know which wide receiver is going to get cut and make all the fans angry when he does. Uh, and you know, I, I think there's going to be a really good receiver sitting on the bench week one. And uh, I've been beating this drum for a little while now. I think Adam Humphreys is a week one starter. So you're picturing three receiver set, Samuel outside, Humphreys is the is the uh is the third guy as the slot receiver. Um sure. I mean if they if 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 Samuel I guess that's the thing with Samuel, I'm sort of in, uh, intrigued slash confused by to a degree. Cause the impression that I got when they signed him was that they recognized what care how the new Carolina staff used him last year, which was a lot more in the slot, and that he was, you know, he his 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 stats were far more efficient than they were with under the Rivera group far more productive, even despite playing fewer snaps. And yet it doesn't, it feels like they still want to keep him outside a lot here. And that is the part that's sort of um, interesting. Cause like, I almost want to put Cam Sims as the third guy, but then that infers that Samuel's inside. And yep. I mean, I know he'll play all over the place, but um, so I guess like to that end, you, it, maybe forget the third receiver. Who do you think will have the third most, the third most productive receiver from a statistical perspective? Yeah, and I'm I'm intrigued by Samuel too. I you know you have to have him out on the field at all times, but you you know you mentioned this as well. Like there's there's a lot of variability in how you can use him, where you can use him, and then that creates shuffling the rest of the the rest of the way as well. 
you know, I, I do think that at the end of the day, McLaurin is, is the leader on this team in receiving yardage. Um, and, and, you know, I think Samuel's probably number two. I'd, I'd take Logan Thomas next if we're sorting them out. I think, I, I think there's still room for Isaiah Wright in this room too. Wow. That is a take. I'm going to, I'm going to say he's not going to be on my 53 man yep. projection. Um, look, that's, special, that's why we do this. Yeah. Spe- no, it's, look, special teams is we look, we typically look at 53 man projections from the position, but there is no position of special teams except for the kicker punter and uh long snapper. So if we did it by that, then some other guys would probably be higher up on the board and he would, could be one of those guys, but in terms of receiver, he, for me would not be, um in the mix of you know he caught a touchdown pass the other day in practice for whatever that's worth um so okay good food for thought there uh here's another one for me so uh ron rivera months ago when when they entered the offseason when they have all the salary cap space he's like yeah we're gonna use some of it to keep our own guy to give it to guys who are already here um john allen is the obvious one for that we're all kind of waiting okay was something gonna happen to that end, that's why it was sort of interesting that he, of all people, wasn't that um, yeah. at, at OTA last week. But okay, we'll, we'll assume that was just whatever, you know, no big deal. Um, but we're all kind of waiting to see if that happens. But I'm kind of wondering, if is it, is it possible there's anybody else? I'll give you this thought. Ready? Hear, hear me out here. If Great. they So you got the four defensive linemen who are the, all the first round picks. I think we know who they are. If I really, it, it, There is no realistic way that you can keep all four on extensions. It's just from an asset allocation standpoint, you can't have all four of those guys stay. So if you keep Allen and you know Chase Young's not going anywhere, it seems that potentially Deron Payne or Montez Sweat at some point here would be would be gone. Maybe they ultimately just leave in free agency the way we've seen other guys do, or maybe they trade him or whatever. You know, who who knows how this world will work? But interestingly, they have a guy like Tim Settle behind them, and I think Tim Settle has shown enough that he could be perhaps a starting defensive tackle from somewhere. I'm not saying he would be as good as Allen or Payne, but I think he's shown enough that maybe, you know, he could be your, he could play for somebody. He's, he's entering the last year of his deal. What do you think about extending him figuring that right now you're getting him, you probably get him at a pretty good number because he hasn't started. He actually put up good sacks last year, but he hasn't started. It would give, it would give some security to a guy who otherwise isn't, is going to be kind of buried on the depth chart. You got Ioannidis back too. And it gives the, front office essentially a little more leverage now because you would have a guy under contracts so in case things you either do move on from pain if that's the way to go i'm not saying it should be i'm just saying if that's the case it would give you a little more um leverage so this is less a question and more a a conspiracy theory i guess almost uh but what but what do you think about like that for settle or is there somebody else on the team that you would give uh look to give an extension to i believe that Allen gets re-signed before the season starts or before training camp. I think they make that happen. I think there is enough money if you want to do it. I think it, I think Ionitis being there makes the whole thing extra fascinating because, but if you have settle and Ionitis, you have an NFL starter. I think we would both agree, uh, you know, that, that if you put the two of them together, you at the very minimum have one NFL starter worth of quality. And I think you could make the argument just Ioannidis by himself is, is NFL starter quality. And I think settles probably three, three quarters of the way there too. Uh, you know, so you don't need four NFL caliber defensive tackles on a roster. Eh? You know, nobody has that. It, it's tough decisions. My love of Deron Payne will, has, has forever been known. He is, he is a guy I would keep around. I think he plays 
an essential role uh, in, in shutting down the other team. I would prioritize him, uh, you know, second to Chase Young in terms of guys who you've got to keep here long term. Uh, so I, I don't disagree with your conspiracy theory. I think Allen's back. I think settle bounces. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And like, I agree, I agree with you on the hierarchy with young pain. Um, but I don't know if they're going to keep, if they extend Allen, it, like I said, it doesn't seem like they can keep all four. Um, no. so, so, you know, pain or sweat at that point, pain's the one who comes up next after Allen. Um, for any, any other last lingering questions uh, for you, or have we run, run the gamut of the Phillips uh, thoughts? I, you know, I, I always full of thoughts. I, I, I think that pretty much takes care of, uh, you know, the big things that we'll be watching short term. I, I think we hit on the major battles. Only other one I, I would maybe give a quick nod to is who's going to back up Antonio Gibson in, in that kind of, you know, every down, every play role. I'm, I'm not sure I've seen who that guy is yet. Uh, that'd be another thing to watch for training camp. And hey, we get preseason games this year. So uh, that means we get preseason all-stars as well. Uh, running back is a position that historically produces those. My eyes are on you, Jared Patterson. I agree. I've, I've mentioned that one before. If Gibson misses time, I don't know who the obvious give this guy 15 to 20 carries. I, I don't think it's Peyton Barber, but I, let me rephrase that. It's not Peyton Barber. Um, and that's not McKissick yeah. is built for that, for that type of All right. role. So. All right. So, since we're down that road, is it Curtis Samuel? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. No. I mean, he's not the 15 to 20 carry guy, but I mean, he would be in more like, okay, you have him and you have McKissick and maybe you give him instead of two carries a game, maybe now give him up to seven or something not even care you get get him the ball touch, yeah get him the ball out of the back get him more right, touches right, yeah right right mm -hmm. not straight conventional through between the tackles yeah um yeah no that's i agree i think i think that third running back spot or, or probably i guess maybe a fourth is is more interesting we've been we've probably um discussed uh what what i know is interesting is what michael phillips does for the richmond times dispatch <laughs> oh what a segue uh, Goodness. you know i'm 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 i've developed some tricks here at this he's uh, a pro <laughs> Um, all right, so go read them uh, on the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, and obviously, if you want to, you know, depending when you're hearing this, go check out what he wrote about the training camp situation going to be in Richmond. Sir, as always, appreciate it. It is uh, great to be in the standing room and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. All right, there you go. Many thanks to Michael Phillips for his time. Thanks to everyone here for listening. Uh, again, be back this week with more podcasts. Don't know if I'll do one after every uh, OTA. That may be a bit much, but we'll see what happens. If there's news or there's reason to, of course, I will do my best to do that and have some guests join me along the way. By the way, if you guys have ideas for guests, somebody I haven't gotten to either locally, you could say nationally. I can't promise you I'm going to get, uh, <laughs> you know, that I can get uh, Mel Kuyper or, uh, you know, um, I don't know, Mina Kimes or um, I'm trying to think who else is a, 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 a big shot. But, you know, whoever it is, I don't necessarily know I can get those people. But tell me who you, who you find it interesting, even if I can't get that person, whatever, especially locally. I hopefully would have a chance to get some people uh, there as well. But all right, enough, enough out of me. Thanks for thanks for checking out the podcast, subscribing to The Athletic, putting up with my shtick. That's it for now. Until next time. See ya.